just like to see things that like haven't been done. When I can take risks and then I know that I'm expressing myself. I, I never went in on the song so many times. I, I, you know, I listen to everybody. I listen to all kind of music. The truth is in the room. <laughs> in the background of our podcast. <laughs> that's a fact. That's a fact. So yeah, we uh, laughing and we joking. This is uh, Public Pulse Vibes. This is the music podcast. Um, we've been doing the top 30 songs of each decade. We finished the 60s, y'all. We go back and peep the 60s. all the way through the 60s. Yeah, we went through the 70s. It's the 70s. It's it some wild lovely. shit in there. Yeah. Admit yeah. it. It was better than you thought it was. Better than you thought yeah. it was. Yeah, and then we uh, we just finished up the 80s. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. We was getting our hot girl on in the now, 80s. And now we're in the best decade in music history. Oh, no. We have to let the music bear it out. Even if it's true. That's okay. We're, we are... Uh, I'm going to put a stamp on that, okay? <laughs> We're <stamp-nated. laughs> I like those stamps. Stamp. Yeah, we need to have that. So, um, as you, if you haven't heard any of those, uh, hey, I suggest going back and peeping those. Got hey, maybe, you, maybe you just came came for the 90s, and we appreciate that as well. Uh, what we're going to do is basically just go through songs 30 through 16. Um, this is going to be the first part of our top 30 songs. And why do we do that? Because we like to talk about the artist. We like to talk about the song, why we chose this. How do we come to this formula? How do we pick these top 30? Did we wake up one day and go, you know what? These are the 30 songs of the 90s that we like. No, 10,000 hours of listening. Albums. How many albums did we listen to? Man. Maybe four hundred. I don't know. That was like we that giving many. them the unofficial. We giving them the official list of the thirties. When you're talking about how much music you had to go through, nineties. I mean, goddamn, bro. I mean, yeah. it was like the unofficial list alone is over two hundred songs just from the nineties. Yes. Yeah, we really like the '90s. So much good music in the '90s, um, and and again, I think you'll probably even even Gen uh, Gen Z, I think, is gonna kind of know some of these songs in, intrinsically. You know, we're not we're not gonna be bringing. Nah, we'll I think they gonna know a lot of the artists, maybe. maybe, but maybe not the songs. That's cool. I mean, we have a a, a very variety variety. Varied list. It's the opposite of cloud culture, right? If you think about it, right? Everybody wants to be... It's where all these hipsters came from. Oh, you should have seen them at their first album. Bitch, their first album was probably in the 90s. Who are we talking about? Yeah. Yeah, that's so many people fall in love with music. Um, Any any more thoughts before we get started on on our number 30 song? Uh, I do just want to say I feel like it's important to acknowledge, in my opinion, the beginning of contemporary music starts here. We're now completely digital. You know, we're moving past cassettes. Almost nobody has albums anymore. Everything is CDs. Everything is completely digital. The whole session from here on out in the 90s starts to be more and more digital, with a couple of exceptions. You know, rock, rock's still doing his thing. You know, yeah, but rock goes digital. Rock goes rock digital. Rock goes digital. Rock goes and they digital. They needed to. They in the 90s. Um, yeah. Let's get it started, man. That's a fact. You so know let's... what we're doing? We're telling them the truth. Yes, yes. Look, the, we're not picking the most pop. This is not the most popular songs of the 90s. This is also not our own little personal favorites that we listen to. No, like we had a whole voting process. There were seven people's hands involved in this. So yeah, we try to a get scoring system. Yeah, yeah. And we changed scoring systems, you know, halfway through because we're trying to give you the best mm-hmm. quality list. So let's get it started. Number 30, The Truth. Handsome Boy Modeling School, 1999. So first we have Handsome Boy Modeling School. Uh, They are an American collaborative project between hip-hop producers 
Dan the Automator, who uh, you may see uh, also um, in other uh, production roles, and Prince Paul. Uh, collab- the collaborative, the collaboration originally lasted from 1999 to 2006, resulted in two albums featuring a vast cast of guest rappers, singers, comedians, and DJ uh, DJs. Um, something I think about with this band, and we can get into the song. They're so weird. They're such an amalgamation. Oh my gosh, but it's I. It's such a great, like, comedic parody. And I love parodies, whether it's music, movies, or other kinds of media. And Handsome Boy Modeling School is just really fucking good at it. And some of the best album names ever. They're so provocative. One album is called White People. The next album is So How's Your Girl. Nigga, you trying to fight, bro? Is you fucking serious? First of all, we have to acknowledge that the first song, okay, is from 1999, and I think we talked about this with the movies Be Cool, and uh, there was a couple other of them, like this 2000s, we're going to be silly and poke fun at the establishment. We are seeing that, then this is like, I feel like Handsome Boy Modeling School, like, they're bridging that gap from bringing that, like you said, that seriousness. I feel like the 90s was the most serious decade of music, personally. I agree. Um, but, But again, and what came out of that was the 2000s, which is this unique silliness that we always talk about, which, of course, I, I fuck with, too. And I think our first song being like, yo, it's going to transition into the 2000s with this unique comedy. And, uh, again, I think what they did perfectly is it's not like weird Al Yankovic, right? It's not like it's just parody. They're not Still taking a-, a piss. I mean, this weird group amalgamation of people that you may or may not even associate with music. I mean, this writing, the sound. I mean, yo, go to the mountain if you must. Go to the burning bush. Happy would ease your troubled mind. How do the fade just stay behind? That's fucking clever fucking writing, man. You know what I'm saying? With with all kind of, like you said, they had guest fucking singers. You never knew what the sound was going to be. And what they call that shit? The fucking truth. Number 29. Iron Spy. Splashdown. 1999. So let's uh, let's move on here. Uh, Splashdown, American pop rock band formed in 1996 in Massachusetts. Shout out to New England. Uh, the group disbanded in 2001. Uh, their last show was a release party for the debut, C- debut CD of Freeze Pop on Fe- February 2nd of that year. Um, a little thoughts on this song, Splashdown. Um, I fuck with this group, man. I, I call them uh, secretly the greatest group that never was, right? I mean, which is so 90s. Motherfuckers would be here and they'd be out. Uh, be. Yeah, they didn't they disband in 2001? Yeah, they had some kind of problem with the producer. Like, it was a problem with the label and they couldn't get the album out and shit. And so, like, they had this fucking great album. Like, I heard of this group listening to, uh, what was that movie? It was, um... It was the Don Bluth movie about, like, Earth blowing up. Titan AE. You know what I'm saying? They had a song in there. And I was like, damn, is this Portishead? Like, that's correct. When, when your first thought is, is there a new Portishead song that I have not heard? And it's some whole new group and shit? Yeah, Splashdown. And, I mean, once again, right, when you look at the lyrics and you're like, shit, this might say too much about me. But it's... There's just this haunting sort of want throughout the whole song, and you can hear it in the lyrics, too, which is like, please leave, stay. Yeah, you've never been truly mine, but if you were, yes, if you were, I wouldn't want you anyway, but I need you to stay. It's just 
all the complicated relationship stuff, um, platonic, romantic, whatever, because we've all had those problems where we're like, yeah, I like you a lot, but also I need you to go. Yeah, also, you talked about some of their music being, like, for TV. Again, I think this is a great—or or for movies, you know, I, I, I think this is a great— barometer for how songs uh, encapsulate the zeitgeist, you know, like being put in movies and, and things like that, I think are, are great barometers for that. They also had a song on Charmed. Did y'all watch Charmed? Holy shit. You gotta love Charmed. Look, I'm gonna come out and say it. I watched Charmed. Of course, we all did. You're a damn liar if you said you didn't. At least watch a few. So that's uh, Charming two spell. major media projects. Facts. And it's a group that most people have never heard yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, that's the fact. Uh, any more thoughts? I fuck with Splashdown. You know, they were like, um... They came in kind of on the ass end of the whole pop, uh, pop like, rock kind of thing. Almost like, um, almost trip hop, right? It's like pop trip hop. Mm. So just yeah. So you have this, um, you know, what are the fusion? You know, right. you have this fusion. And I think that's dope as fuck. Number twenty-eight, infidelity, only you, Skunk Anansi. 1996. Okay, so Skunk and Nazi Infidelity, Infidelity only uses 1996. Um, let's talk a little bit about this this band because I, I think that there's a lot of interesting things here. Oof. So Skunk and Nazi, British rock Oof. band. Let's talk about the members. We have skin, 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 okay, skin, yeah. sexiest lead skin vocal person. and guitars. Mm-hmm. Skin. Yeah. Okay. We talented. also have Cass, bass, guitar, uh, bass. Sorry, not bass. <laughs> bass, guitar, backing vocals. Ace. Guitar, backing vocals. So you got Skin, Taz, Ace, and Skin. Mark Richardson. Yeah, Mark Richardson is a. For- okay, I right, see so you can't move past the one member of the band. Uh, but let's go. Was uh, Skunk and Nazi formed in 1994, disbanded in 2001, reformed in 2009. See, again, 2001 just ended 90s bands. Man, it was like this music fucking sucks. It was a rough time. I don't want to fucking be out here with these weak ass <laughs> niggas, man. Are you serious? This this. What the fuck is a Nickelback, man? I know. Oh, wow. No, that's a fact. That's your band, though. That's it. Oh, I'm much no, more of a Creed no, guy no, myself. Don't even put that lie out there, Damn. man. But let's talk about, so Skunk and Nazi, we, a Nazi, we know this, okay? Because we know the story of a Nazi and being like uh, the trickster spider god, you know, the, the Ghanaian uh, uh, trickster god. So just, just having that in there, I think, is uh, another, like, sort of dope aspect of, like, what they were trying to get across. I think the 90s did a lot of non-performative, a hide this in here so those who know can figure it out and we don't have to explain it, you know? So I thought that was a nice little touch. We're talking about playing against gender expectation, playing against sexuality expectation, playing against, you know, even uh, on some levels, uh, a race expectation in rock. You know what I'm saying? You got someone like Scan who is androgynous slash masculine with the most powerful boomy ass voice. I mean, this... Okay, her soprano range Bro. is phenomenal. Everyone talks about Mariah Carey and I wish Skin would also get more recognition but skin don't look the way they want for her look. vocal range. Yeah, because it's phenomenal and you can hear it in Infidelity. She belts that shit out in a way that will wreck you. She sings accusations into your fucking skin. Can we talk about also I mean look this song is incredible, but we could have picked a couple, right? I mean right. we yeah. could have picked a couple. I just want to talk about their political affiliation because remember this podcast is always political affiliated, baby. Um they have uh, two songs that I thought were very interesting. Selling Jesus is mm. one of those. Very controversial. Christians didn't like it. Mm. Uh, talking about the capitalization and um uh, commodification of Christianity and Jesus. Uh, also Little Baby Swastika. Did you hear about that one? They uh, they came out with yeah. So they have um. They had an album called Yes Is Fucking Political, right? Or was yeah. that a song? 
Um, I don't know. We can get the crack team on it. But but again, I, I do want to just say, like, all of this stuff politically focused. Um, and, and to me, the 90s was trying to focus on Motherfuckers taking real shots. Real shots. Not being fucked up Faux about. Faux activism. Oh, my God. This might piss off my... Uh, my, uh, you know, I'm, I got, I'm sponsored. My sponsor is going to, I'm going to lose my sponsor if I say this shit. Yo, I know uh, out of all of the bands that we've named so far, this one may be the most obscure for uh, traditional listeners. But uh, maybe the biggest, uh, the biggest payoff, you know, if you dump in the crates, jump in the crates on this skunk Anansi shit, scan will fuck your whole world up. Yeah, and there's good videos out there. You know, I mean, it's just a quick, it's just a quick listen. I would just do, uh, you know, a Google search. We wouldn't lead you, we wouldn't steer you wrong. Yeah, they was in a gang of movies too, though, right? Because like Skunk Anansi was in uh, Cruel Expectations, not Cruel, Cruel Expectations. Intentions. Cruel Intentions. Yes, what a great yeah. movie to, to have yeah. a song in. Yeah, motherfucker, yeah, one of the greatest '90s soundtracks of all time. Yeah, go peep that movie. It's a little freaky. Any more thoughts? We could go all day on this, right? I mean, yeah. like you said, I mean, just, um, uh, you know, breaking those stereotypes, like subverting expectations, um, you know, and, and again, go back to this conversation we have about the Beatles and stuff like that. Like, this is a UK band, you know? I, I would much rather listen to Skunk and than anything the Beatles ever put out ever in the history of the world. Um, and, uh, you know, I hate to keep bringing that stuff up, but, like, there's a reason why we try to step off of the... Um, the status quo, we really go in there because I, I think there's a lot of things that have been overrated and a lot of people underrated. Skunk and Nazi, definitely one of those. Number 27, just like you imagined, Nine Inch Nails, 1999. It's Keita's favorite band in the fucking universe. I, we should just yeah. give, her, give her the reins. You got some shit to say about that? <laughs> no, but you might have some shit to say. No, I do. I love Nine Inch Nails so much. I'm not even going to lie about that. And, you know, because, like, in the 90s, when you talk about exploring sort of the sounds of music, like, what... I feel like art, in many ways, always goes through this, no matter what the genre is, which is, at what point can we define something as music and, like, how much sound or how much of this medium can we play with? And Nine Inch Nails fucking plays with some sounds that you're like that's not music and then they compose it into music and you're like yeah that that shit bangs and then they decade hopper so like already they gave us you know what i'm saying a hint of things to come in the 80s but now they in a were they in the 80s bag. yeah okay so alert yeah. so i got two alerts i forgot to mention <laughs> yeah, yeah. actually you know because y'all were so excited to talk about 90 sales which i'm not mad about but just like you imagined like we just said so decade hopper for the band but for the song we have an instrumental alert y'all this is all instrumentals. Um, big shout out because like like we always say, and, and we talked about this with um, uh, Maggot Brain, right? Right, right, with, right. Uh, Eddie Hearn. Mm -hmm. uh, like, like when you, sometimes people can play an instrument like it's a direct extension of their own soul. Like I feel like what you're seeing with Trent Reznor is like we talked about that digital age, right? Like this digital age is now coming in front of us and now people are able to exude their own humanity, their own spirituality, their own... Uh, uh, artistry outside into these digital spaces. And I think Trent Reznor was doing an incredible job. Uh, also, this was recorded, just real quickly before you jump in, this was recorded in Nothing Studios in New, New Orleans, Louisiana. You already know, man. Yo, what's wild about Trent is he is an incredible writer and there's no lyrics in this, right? Like, He's wow. so good at the production that when Saul Williams came to do uh, Niggy, Niggy Tardust, 
in the in the two thousands. It was Trent that did all the beats for that shit. Like wow. Trent is that fucking dude, man. Godfather of industrial. That's all I really got on him. Uh, I can't say if there way there may or may not be more, but uh, already, man, two different decades, and here here nine inch nails still the fuck is. Number twenty six, death before dishonor, Twister. 1997. So I feel I'm gonna talk a little bit about this, but again, I think this is uh, this is Tanky's wheelhouse right here. But uh, let's talk a little bit about um, Twister. But like I, before, I want to get started. Let's talk a little bit about where this song. Well, first of all, is this our first? Hip hop song of the nineties? Uh, of the nineties, yes. Yeah. So, so this is the first rap song of the nineties. So you know. second hip hop song of these lists. But Third. now shit is announced. Now it's announced. Because shit is announced. Let's talk about Twister because, uh, first of all, let's talk about this album, right? Because this song is incredible, um, but it's off in an, a, I would say, a legendary album. Would you not say Adrenaline Rush? Absolutely. So, so I'm going to let you talk about the song, but let me talk about this album real quick. So Adrenaline Rush is the third album from rapper Twista. Uh, where's Twista from? He from the West Side of Chicago. Yeah, it's a fact, <laughs> all right? <laughs> he, from the, he from the West Side. Yeah. Uh, the album had guests, artists, Johnny P, Lifty, Stokes, Miss Kane, Maylith, Maze, and Turtle Banks. The first single off the album was Emotions, a song which reworked the chorus of do or the Do or Die hit Poe Pimp, which is on, which uh, Twister was also featured. The single Get It Wet charted in the Billboard 100. That's nasty. That's nasty. Uh, with very... Little airplay or radio play outside the Midwest. Remember, we talked about the uh, the Northeast bias. Oh, this shit okay. was regional, man. Yeah. Um, the album was certified platinum uh, just three years ago. Went platinum uh, July 15th, 2019. Uh, I do remember having beef with, with Twista at this time because I'm a big Bone Thugs fan. But hey, we came back to this. <laughs> man, come and get this man some, uh, some water, okay, some, some medicinal tea. Uh, little thoughts about Death Before Dishonor, the song. Eyes. All I seen was a bitch. Oh, man, this song is amazing. Uh, what can I say about Twister, right? One of the wildest motherfuckers ever. I'm not just standing because I'm from Chicago, y'all. Serious shit, serious shit. This motherfucker had a Guinness world record for, like, most words in a fucking minute. You know but what I'm also, saying? like, yeah, I mean, yeah, he used to be the fastest rapper alive. And I saw one stat that was, like, he could rap almost 600 syllables in 55 seconds. And it's like, what? What the fuck? (laughs) You know, it's a lot of niggas in the 90s that's gonna start rapping fast. And most of them fucking suck. You can't make out anything they fucking sang. It's so funny then, because these be the same motherfuckers that got shit to say about mumble rap. Bitch, you was mumbling. Your whole career, nobody could make out the (laughs) shit you was saying. Twisted shit, man. You still understand everything he's saying. He's hitting you with gangster shit. It's the real life of a motherfucker from the shy. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like famous as that lifestyle is about to become in the 2000s when we start talking about drill and all that. You know, the 2010s with drill, all that shit. Twisted's telling you those stories in the 90s of what it's like. You know what I'm saying? Being a hood youngin' out there. You know, you're not getting that L.A. rub. You're not getting that New York rub. You know what I'm saying? So there's real no, really no reason to try to shoot for this commercial, like, At success. All. You know they're not going to play your shit no way. Yeah, so, so it just gives go you the hard. freedom. But let's say it, though, right? Why is 90s hip-hop so fucking monumental? 
I think it's important to say it's what we talked about earlier. Now we're talking about digital age. We're finally able to move past the boom bap rap. We're finally able to move past the 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 what do you call it? the the fucking get down. You know what I'm saying? We're well, we, even, we way past that now. You know what I'm saying? Well, no, I, mean, I guess in the '90s it was still that's when the early '90s. There was still and beat makers are yeah, really starting. No more. Yeah, sampling became like the get down was a part, but then like sampling really became that, and then sampling sort of like gave way to like a new beat with like sort of a similar sound. It wasn't like this really heavy, um, like like you said, uh, get down with this sample just being redone over and over again. It's producers really in here, sometimes creating things from scratch or taking small aspects of other songs and, and blending them. So for the non-hip-hop uh, oriented who don't really understand what that means, the get down is the, is the most repeatable, the most catchy part of a song. It's where right? DJs are pulling... The record back just a Say little about. bit. I'm black and I'm proud. I'm black and I'm proud. I'm black and I'm proud. That's a get down. Uh, a reason I think why we have a lot of, I don't want to say, um, like I don't, I don't want to say like negativity or like disrespect, but it's just like you'll call the early rap what it was. It was proto rap, it's proto hip hop. It's not necessarily but there. Now yet. we got a full born Velociraptor crawling out the motherfucking shell and fucking yeah. shit up. Yeah, Twister's on. He's just on. A, I could imagine like they always say like if you were to take basketball joke here, if uh, or, or basketball analogy, please uh, mute if you're not a basketball fan. But uh, I remember uh, one of the players, a player named JJ Redick, said if you were to drop Kyrie. Irvin in the 60s, they would think he was a wizard. If you were to drop Twister off, Twister off in uh, 1984, they thought this motherfucker was a wizard. You know, like that's where his skill level is. Respect to the 80s, respect to proto hip hop, but this is on another level. And uh, again, Twister, Adrenaline Rush, the whole album is fire. Number 25, Hell is Round the Corner, Tricky, 1995. So uh, I just want to. So um, this one is interesting. It's uh, it's an alert. We have a sample alert. Uh, any idea where the sample comes from? Comes from a person who has already been on our list in the '60s. In the '60s, motherfucking Isaac Hayes. Yes. Is it the Hot Butter Soul? Uh, it is not. It's another album. It's an earlier album. This is oh. a crate. This is a crate digging situation. It's a uh, Ike's rap to help me love. It's two songs on one track because this is again we see an Isaac Hayes pop up all over the place. But Tricky uh, has a ton of connections to many parts of this list. Um, again, I wasn't even put up on Tricky until um, you know we had the conversation about trip hop and we had that whole conversation you know we ended up going to a massive attack concert and of course this you know Portis head is more involved here but let's talk a little bit about tricky let's talk about trip hop let's talk about this song what are your thoughts let's do it so trip hop man i feel like that's one of my lanes one of my favorite uh genres on the low trip hop has this blending of hip-hop and like kind of trancey kind of edm techniques so instead of right again these are people that are anticipating the end of the get down right they're like hip-hop is gonna have to move past two turntables and a microphone how can we layer this shit right motherfuckers like tricky are handling this in britain by adding all of these samples and then just adding layer upon layer upon layer of sounds so it becomes almost like um hidden treats right where like if you focus off on just this one level you can lose yourself meanwhile this nigga got this raspy britishy sexy ass super ultra masculine voice and he just throating to you 
wearing them down around the corner. You know what I mean? Just like, what the fuck? As an artist, man, I, I relate with Tricky so much because I feel like what he's doing is he's living in this world of sex and menace. Uh, let me give you a line uh, from here. Uh, they juice me, seduce me, dress me up in ecstasy. Hell is round the corner where I shelter. What? Yeah, but also, like, and I think that's what I like about trip hop is that it, 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 it plays with that sense of perception, and Tricky does this in his lyrics, too, because, like, the line that hooked me was, let me take you down the corridors of my life, and when you walk, do you walk to your preference? And it's like... Oh shit, how am I perceiving this song? Of course I'm perceiving it through my own perspective lens and my own childhood and my own perception of how my life is going right now. And this song is about him and about what he went through and how he grew up and his family. Number 24, Fell on Black Days, Soundgarden, 1993. Uh, so uh, we have an alert. Decade Hopper. Decade Hopper alert. Um, uh, I think one of the best bands. I think we can say one of the best bands of all time, right? But grunge is coming the fuck out now, man. Well, grunge like, is all the way there now. I mean, grunge yeah, is the biggest art form. The fucking game. Grunge and rap are destroying the charts. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, uh, of course, Chris Cornell. You know what I'm saying? Uh, rock God. Uh, Fell on Black Days released as the fifth, y'all, fifth single from the band's fourth studio album, oh Super Unknown. Fifth single. And see, that's where we at again with the music industry, man. Just keep fucking dropping shit, man. I love it, man. Their fifth single peaked at number four on the Billboard mainstream rock track chart. Uh, song was included on Soundgarden's 1999 Greatest Hits album on the A side. Um, and uh, like I said, grunge, psychedelia, I guess is what it's called, psychedelic music. Uh, like I said, Chris Cornell. Um, look. This song is crazy. This band is crazy. Uh, do we have any thoughts on uh, this song? Sound this is one of so several things about Chris because I feel like he's such a sad. So many of these '90s stars are their sad, fucking tragic tales. Um, first off, I want to hit on the the lyrics, man. Whatsoever I feared has come to life, and whatsoever I fought off became my life. Man, when you struggling through fucking demons, man, fighting off motherfucking horrible shit, and you have to give up a little bit of yourself just to survive, man, that's what that grunge is on. I feel like that's why so many hood black boys like me, we could fuck with grunge, whereas we might not have been able to fuck with, like, hard rock, right? I couldn't really get in a Warren, you know, cherry pie, shit like that. I don't understand that shit. This shit I understand because this is a life that's mirroring the life that I'm living. You know what I'm saying? All that wild shit. The thing I want to say about Chris Cornell, and I'm going to jump off on this. Uh, again, man, I'm a cis-head-ass dude, man. Chris Cornell is one of the sexiest, most attractive human beings. He's a literal rock star that lived in fucking Hollywood, California who still ends up taking his life due to sadness and depression. And that's how real that shit is. When people be trying to understand the burdens of masculinity, I think Chris Cornell is a great example of a person who literally was rich. You were beautiful. You were living You were by every standard of success that this Western world gives you. He had that shit and still was so empty and so unhappy with this life that he had to take his own, man. Be gentle with yourself. But this song is telling you all that. It's telling you his struggles with depression. It's as open and vulnerable as a man can be about the shit he's going through. I just want to say, so um, 
this is Chris, Chris Cornell on this song, um, on uh, Fell on Black Days. Fell on Black Days was like this ongoing fear I've had for years. It's a feeling that everyone gets. You're happy with your life, everything's going well, things are exciting, when all of a sudden you realize you're unhappy to the extreme, to the point of being really, really scared. There's no particular event you can pin the feeling down to, it's just that you realize one day that everything in your life is fucked. That's uh, existential fucking dread. Number 23, Big Calm, Morichiba, 1998. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, about this song. I think this is a pretty fun song. It's um, Morichiba. Morichiba. Uh, so uh, this album, this first of all, I think what's interesting is this song is the title of the album as well. It's the title track um, from an album uh, called Big Calm. We have a lot of those in the 90s. The album has a title track on it. You know, I think uh, we're big fans of that. But I think that maybe that's kind of died, right? Like maybe the 90s, um, you know, just had a monopoly on that. But Big Calm is the second studio album by English electronic music group Morichiba. It was released in March 1998. Uh, The album uh, reached top 20 in the UK album charts, uh, while the singer Part of the Process charted in the top 40 of uh, the UK single charts. Um, yeah, I think this is a pretty cool song. It's pretty fun. Uh, the composition is pretty cool. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the song Big Calm by Morichiba? Th- <laughs> it's so distinctive, and yet every time I hear it, Especially if I'm in a room with y'all, I'm like, oh yeah, who who does this song? Because it right. takes me by surprise every time, just because I guess. Um, I, and this is one of those songs that I don't really listen to the lyrics, just because the uh, instrumentals and the musicality of the entire song ends up drawing me in from whatever sort of void I fall into, uh, and then it makes me kind of experience the present. This is the song that always brings me back. So first off, I think the name is clever as shit. It's such a throwback. When you talk about, like, what I love about Gen X, they a generation looks forward and backwards, right? They kind of like the lens that goes both ways. Um, Chiba, right? That's a very kind of throwback way of saying weed. So to have a band called More Chiba, like More Weed, like, I'm fucking with If you. you know, you know. If you know, you kind know. Kind of mentality right? that the like, 90s was putting out yeah, there. Yeah, one more cheaper than you slide that shit. But um, <laughs> what I love about them is they were so big in Britain. But again, think about what that is because trip-hop never really popped in the United States. I mean, again, it was that's a if-you-know-you-know you know genre. You know what I'm saying? So, like, but when you get there, they kind of low. the same thing like uh, what Splashdown was dealing with. You, like, batting third or fourth in the order, damn near fifth. Because first, it's going to be either Portishead and or Massive Attack, however you feel about it. So that takes care of your one and two. Next, you're going to probably get, um, uh, who was the six feet down uh, sneaker pimps, right? So that's third. You know what I'm saying? Tricky by himself outside of Massive is probably pulling in fourth. You know, groups like you, you, you're really struggling to get just some fucking air. You the little trees in the jungle. You can't even get no oxygen. You can't get no light. But it didn't mean that they didn't have great fucking music. And in the 90s, there was still a lane for artists like that. Like, Morchiba is incredibly beautiful music. And if they weren't in such a tough fucking genre where, like, everybody's expected to be, like, possibly goat status, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
but uh, and of their own volition, man, uh, for their own reasons, Morchiba's an incredible group. And this song fucking schmicks. Number 22, Paranoid Android, Radiohead, 1997. Uh, we have an alert. Uh, it is a decade hopper alert. Uh, you know, you may notice, uh, band. You may love this band. I know I love this band. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Paranoid Android by Radiohead. One of the. Oops, see how excited I am. I'm knocking my own microphone. Around. Yeah, who put you up on a group? One of the greatest groups of all fucking time. Who was that? Who was the man? Say, say that loud. Say, say thank you. Say tanky. Say tanky, motherfucker. Tanky. Say tanky, motherfucker. I'm okay. glad that you have to remind them. Yeah, you have to remind them. I don't want to talk about... See, I'm glad you could pick out the few bands you hit me to because I hit you to so many. I can't even keep count anymore. So I'm glad you remembered because yeah, I didn't. Go listen to some, um, <laughs> some future right now. <laughs> Radiohead. This is about Paranoid Android. Uh, it's a song from English alternative rock band that was shown to me by Little Tank. I'm going to just say that every time so that people know. Uh, by uh, um, Released lead single from their st- third studio album, OK Computer. Man, one of the greatest albums of all time. Holy shit, no skips. No skips. No skips. Full classic. Holy uh, shit. Lyrics written by uh, lead singer Tom York uh, following an unpleasant experience in Los- a Los Angeles bar. Hey, I have had some unpleasant experiences in a Los Angeles bar. <laughs> yeah, especially Me personally. everybody around you is high off coke. Yeah, well, edibles. that's a good time, actually. That's a <laughs> okay. good time. White people <laughs> and coke, that's not a good time Look, for me. racist. Yeah, yeah. You're reverse racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just talk about this, though. All right, because look, I bet they probably was doing cocaine. So, yo, it brought us this type of music. Wow. Uh, but the name is Conjecture. taken. Uh, have you seen the movie The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? It's not really my style of movie, but I'm, uh, I'm it aware is, of it. It is my style of it's movie. It's pretty so, yes. good. Keep going. Pretty funny. <laughs> so y'all say. Yeah. The, of course, I'm a tastemaker, so what I say is facts. Uh, the name is taken from Marvin the Paranoid Android from the science fiction series The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I hate that you just put me up on a little bit of game. I hate that. Oh, you love it. I'm try to immediately He's just joking. That. He loves when I'm a sensei. Paranoid Android charted at number three on the UK single Let's chart. Let's fucking go. Oof. Their highest charting position in the UK to date, which is saying something, right? Which is saying something because they never, they could have easily taken out that sellout right sort of moment, but they never did. So this is so funny that their most popular song in terms of the UK was in 1996 when they put out some incredible music since then. Um, the thoughts on this song or, or Radiohead in general from from It's young? weird in the best ways, man. The lyrics are like this crazy fucking ride through this mind of this person who's unwell. You know what I'm saying? And it's kind of like a it's kind of like a little mushroom trip worth of words. Like I mean, you know, hypothetically, for those that uh, <clears throat> imbibe uh, uh, chemicals that may or may not be legal, you know, dubious legal uh, worth, but uh, no, man, but the song, it, it's sexy, it, it's weird, it's different, it's, this is the song I play for people who say, I don't like Radiohead, right? Um, if you think it's just creep, right, this is the song I want to disavow you of what you think you know about Radiohead. Number 21, Smile, Scarface, Tupac, 1996. We have a pretty incredible song here. We have a pretty incredible duo. Um, this is right beat. This is this music video, which is one of the best music videos I've ever seen in terms of our conversation surrounding Gothic Noir. Um, in the game, it releases 
after Machiavelli, a.k.a. Yeah, just Tupac, after. Just after he passes. So that brings even more context to this song. Scarface, Tupac, I mean, two of probably the, the, the most, most well-rounded. Yeah, I mean, but I would just say, like, in general, like, emotionally driven lyricism is where they both shine. They both shine here, I think, in, incredible. It's an incredibly somber uh, song. It's it's hopeful. Like I said, I think it's a great depiction of gothic noir. I think Scarface is in his bag here. Pac is in his bag. And he's in that weird Machiavelli bag where it it's that thing where he knows he's about to. You can to feel the reaper on his words. And that yeah. is some ominous, weird shit. I mean, when this motherfucker is like, you ain't got nothing to worry about. Smile, you black. And we already know this motherfucker just got shot, man. This motherfucker is dead. Like, he's not, but from the grave, man, he, like, still holds your shit up. You know what I'm saying? I'm still looking, pimp. You know, I still got you, motherfuckers. Like, that's, you talk about Uncanny Valley, man. That shit gives you goosebumps, man, that song. I can't believe this song made it to the number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100. I mean, this song is so, right. I mean, so real. It's so real. I, I, I just can't imagine a song like this, like, still still charting in this way. And again, I don't think it's a, a, a uh, it's, it's not a condemnation of the artists today. It's not a condemnation of, of the fan bases today. It's just, I think this type of music is de-incentivized from being put out, you know, because it's kind of, it kind of goes back to like where we are now. It's kind of like this intense faux activism party life. You when know? you're talking about a life of music, right, that's been censored by Tipper Gore and the Democrats, mind you, and you got somebody like Pac saying, our lifestyles be closed captioned, addiction to fatal attractions, pictures of actions be playing back, uh, be played back in the midst of mashing. No fairy tales for this young black male. Like, he's saying straight up, I'm sorry, my life is NC-17. This the life, I, well, the life I had, right? Which is the life that most young black men are having and still fucking having. I'm sorry that my life ain't gonna be in no fucking Marvel film because my shit is not a rated G life. Thank the shit I came up in and pocket spitting this shit. I have a, a kind of a crazy little uh, extra tidbit of information. I think you, uh, in particular, Tanky, will like. Uh, Jay Prince stated in an interview with Rap Radar in 2018 that he asked Puff if he would let Biggie get on the track. Um, and Puff was like, he would not because Tupac was on it. Um, and I, I just I think of Jay Prince trying to shoot that shot, maybe the hardest shot in the game at that time, which is bringing Pac and Big together, which I think would have radically... See, the only motherfucker that could have OG'd them niggas, man. Jay Prince was the only guy. He's he shot a shot. The only fucking guy, man. But Dude he's... said last week, man, if Pac would have been on fucking rap a lot, he'd have still been alive because we move different. You telling me them niggas ain't gangster and rap a lot? Fuck out of here. Absolutely. And again, I think this song is when we talk about political statements and we talk about them peoples being involved in seeing this type of music Oh, ain't gonna out. be no potential black messiahs. And this nigga's wiling. Yeah, and I mean, you can tell that this... This song and this process changed Scarface forever. I mean, this album was incredible, man. I mean, this is the this is the the album that like I started with on uh, Scarface. Even though I know he has a lot of incredible music before then, but again, I was just coming up. I was probably like ten years old when this came out. But um, I, I just think that this song, man, just incredible. The video. I have to also say, go out and check the video. Um, it's one of the best. 
hustlers hard to think of culture, hardly think of culture, or the repercussions of while busting on backstabbing vulture. Come on, man. Selling my soul for material wishes? Fast Come cars on. and bitches. Yeah. Come on, man. These niggas today, man, Drake, like, man, I don't like that shit. Why the fuck you talking about this shit, man? Fuck this nigga, man. <laughs> Quietly. <laughs> Number 20, Frogs. Live at Majestic Theater. MTV Unplugged. Alice in Chains. 1996. So we have an alert. We have a live alert. Uh, I, I think um, this, I, there's a lot we can say about a song, and I'm definitely going to pass it to you. But again, I just want to say, like, your live music, man, it, it do hit different. When you're watching what's happening, when you're watching this performance, it's something different. It changes you, it moves you, it pushes you emotionally. Uh, the song is incredible, but this live performance is just off, it's off the chain. Yo, once again, what do we have, right? What's that thing that's pushing this song to the next level? This motherfucker got the smell of the Reaper on him. Wow, yeah. You know what I'm saying? All of these 90s artists, man, they fucking knew, man. This shit was around the corner. I got to do my best shit right now because I don't know how much longer I'm going to be in this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? If you really want to understand what grunge is about, because once again, we on our second grunge song, Frogs, Alice in Chains. Man, I mean, this motherfucker, Lane Staley, was so fucking high, so fucked up. The band had already pretty much soft broke. They didn't even really kick it that, that much. This had been their first show in quite some time coming back together. He was so fucked up, they had to give him a little bit more fucking dope for this motherfucker to even be good enough to go in and do this set. He's high out of his fucking mind while singing and playing this shit. And, of course, he dies shortly thereafter. Yeah, I just yeah. So just to your point, I mean, this is MTV Unplugged. So you have to imagine like this is one of the most watched sort Absolutely. of musical performances in the game. I do remember, of course, there's tons of like really, really iconic MTV Unplugs, but a little bit to this one, and, and this may repeat some of the things you already said. But um, on April 10th, 1996, Alice in Chains gave their first performance in three years, and one of their last concerts as a group. During the show, lead singer Lane Staley looked visibly weak due to his ongoing drug addictions, but was able to deliver a strong performance as one of Staley's last performances. This is considered to be one of the most popular and most memorable unplugged sessions. It's raw life. It's raw humanity. And that's why we're artists. That's why we love art. I'm going to be honest with you, man. Uh, I feel like uh, it's, uh, it's taboo to say this as a Gen Xer, but... This was the best Unplugged of all time. This one was actually much better than the Nirvana Unplugged, which was really good. Okay, but after we watched the documentary on Nirvana, we know why <laughs> maybe it was not as successful <laughs> as most Unplugged episodes. Man. Also high as fuck, <laughs> Kurt Cobain. If there's anything the 90s taught me and if there's anything Don't doing do this. heroin. Well, oh, I was going to say do everything high? <laughs> well, I guess is dead. I knew, I knew that before we started doing this list. <laughs> but uh, I will say this. Uh, it did teach me that bands are hard to keep together, man. They are hard to keep together. I knew that all the time. You know, there's always this, like, sort of, uh, you know, uh, you're always cribbing. Hey, the band's getting back together, you know? But, like, man, it's hard as shit to keep a band together. And really good bands where everyone's smoking, everyone's drinking, everyone's, you know, putting a little sum in their veins or in their nose. You got all kind of, you know, uh, uh, like like just, just how we talked about with Chris Cornell, right? I mean, I think it's this 
idea. The same thing with um with a lot of big artists in the world, where it's like you you get to this point where fame and fortune really doesn't do it for your soul. When drugs got a hold of you like that, and you kind of in zombie mode. Man, you have to be taken care of really for the rest of your life. It's a disease you can never get rid of. And even the most wealthy, the most talented, the most um, platform people in the world, uh, you know, just can't handle that shit. Number 19, Anima Tool, 1996. There's a quote, all right, by um, Bob Costas. No, shout out to, no, fuck Bob Costas. But Bob Costas said that in 1993, Michael Jordan. I'm sorry, in 1996, when Michael Jordan won the, the title, he was the best player uh, in the league. But in 1993, when he won the title, he was the best player ever. And I think we have to sort of talk about uh, Tool as being that, like, momentous. This may be the best band ever. So let's talk about this song. Anima, the second studio album by American rock band Tool, uh, released in vinyl format on September 17th, 1996. It took another uh, month for them to release it on compact disc, also known as CD. Uh, the album was recorded and cut at Ocean Way Recording in Hollywood. Um, and it, uh, they unfortunately had to uh, replace their uh, bassist um, with a new bassist. This album is off the charts. This band is off the charts. This song is off the charts. Um, I know you all probably have a lot to say about this band. What are our thoughts on Tool? And what are our thoughts on this song, uh, I mean, Anima? Gosh, we talk about like... When we talk about music today, a lot of times we're, like, trying to find meaning in the music that's created. And not to say that all—I I feel like in many respects, it's not that the artist has to create meaning, but um, Tool doesn't do—it feels like they don't do anything by accident, that everything is very intentional. And Tool is one of those people who also brings in sort of other aspects of life, other careers and industries. And for this album, it was— <laughs> no matter how you feel about Jung, but like Jungian philosophy along with, hey, very intentionally, yes, it's about the anima and the life force and Jung and what that philosophy means for us. And then also about like, well, we're getting fucked. And that's why it's also a play off of enemas. And <laughs> capitalism sucks. And you're like, okay, that's a lot to put into an album, much less one song. But Tool's like, no, just, just come on the journey with us. You'll get it. <laughs> and that's what this song feels like. When motherfuckers say I can't do metal I play tool you that's know what I'm true and if you can't do tool you really can't do metal you know what I'm saying that's the best I can bring it to you that's the best I can package this genre for you I say as a as an unreformed metalhead you know what I'm saying hip hop metal they got my soul um, some say we'll see Armageddon soon I certainly hope we will I sure could use a vacation from this bullshit three-ring circus sideshow of freaks here in this hopeless fucking hole we call L.A. The only way to fix it is to flush it all away. Not a reformer. This is a man, again, who is a millionaire that's living in Hollywood. He's like, bro, fuck all this shit, man. Is this, this shit a, gotta go. Is this a song where he says... Fuck L. Ron Hubbard and fuck all his clones. That is the song. Yes. Fret for your yes. figure. Fret for your latte. Fret for your lawsuit. Okay. Fret for your hairpiece. Fret for your Prozac and pilot. Fret for your contract. Fret for your... It's all bullshit. This is yeah. anti-LA fame culture. Oh, my God. Which He's becomes anti-clout, bro. It's anti-clout. And what's so crazy is this is the, ni this is the 90s, baby. And anything is possible. <laughs> so this... And I just say that because this is one of the best songs. This is on our list. Also... One 
the this song won the Grammy for best metal performance in 1990. Come the fuck on. Uh, ranked sixth most influential influential album of all time by the publication Kerrang. Uh, in 2006, it placed 14th on the Guitar World Readers poll that attempted to find the best 100 guitar albums. Uh, in 2014, readers of Rhythm voted it the third greatest drumming album in the history of rock music. Uh, Tool got some fucking... It's the greatest. Maybe fuck the that. best it's the drummer. Greatest. I mean, look, man, it might be some dickhead in fucking jazz that nobody knows except him and his five fucking friends in New Orleans, <laughs> and he really might be the GOAT. But if it's not that motherfucker, it's homie from Tool. Number 18, Apart. The Cure, 1992. Okay, yeah, so let's talk about this. We have an alert. We have two alerts. I have two alerts for you. We have a Decade Hopper alert. We already seen this Decade Hopper for the third decade in a row. And we got the cure in the 70s. We got the cure in the 80s. For the the third decade in a fucking row. But they ain't doing shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, Decade Hopper. I also have another alert. It's a sad boy alert. This is one of the saddest songs in the game. It's one of the saddest oh, sad boy um, songs in the game. Yo, yeah. we talk about Sade. This is okay. Sade. Well, yeah. For dudes. <laughs> for dudes. I think every um, mask friend I've had has played this song during a breakup. Man, that is the first song in a breakup. I'm going to go listen to The Cure. They're like, I just need to listen to this. He's like, okay, but you have a, a limit on how many times you can listen to this song. Just because I don't want you to be sad. <laughs> he waits for her to understand, but she won't understand at all. She waits all night to hear him call, but he won't call anymore. He waits to hear her say forgive, but she just drops black pearl eyes and prays to hear him say I love you, but he tells no more lies. Yeah, we just have to acknowledge, man, we... There's a certain aspect to sadness. There's a certain aspect of listening to sad music to work through your own sadness, you know, work through your own the relationship. The God of sad boys is Robert Smith, bro. Yeah, I mean, and you know, you got to feel this. I mean, I think it's really important. I think um, in the world over, we all can acknowledge, like, man, it hurts to get broken up with, whether you are the person who is being broken up with or the breaker upper. You know, I mean, it's just tough. You need music to deal with it. You need someone to, you need to attach yourself to these moments. And, uh, you know, when it comes to sad boy music, when it comes to sad music in general, I mean, like you said, Sade for dudes. But but, but just throughout that all gender bullshit, I mean, it's all good. Of course, Sade is one of the best in the game. Yeah, I love Sade a lot. But, and, and, and Sade gives me in my feelings. You know what I'm saying? So, of course, you know, shout out to the non-gender world. But I do love that, though. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. That should be a tagline for their band. Um, but, but any more thoughts on this particular song? It's beautiful. And it, 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 it really breaks your heart because it's honest about the ways that people fall out. You know what I'm saying? Motherfuckers, you know, I mean... I, Look, man, this ain't the shit on Lizzo. Could have had a bad bitch, noncommittal. Most of the time when relationships fail, both of y'all have fucked up. Both of y'all have done a lot of shit. Both of y'all, you 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 don't want to own your shit, but you own every fucking thing they did. Oh, you remember the time that, yeah, that was because you did, because you did, because you did. Yeah, but, like, I think what... What's really compelling about this song, too, is it's not about blame at all, right? It could easily be about, like, yeah, we both did things wrong. But sometimes, like, relationships end. Nobody did anything wrong. And this is just the feeling of of missing the other person, of 
simultaneously wanting them to forget you so that you can move on, but then also not wanting to ever forget those moments that you had together. How do we get and, this far apart? Yeah, and it's a question of like, God, why do breakups happen? And it's it happens for a variety of reasons, but that there's still sometimes that wanting, that grief, that mourning, we and used that's to be all so throughout the close this. together. I thought this love would last forever. I mean, bruh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is also a really great song to write to. <laughs> okay? Because, yeah. like, when I'm writing, like, okay, I'm in the place in the story where it's, like, really hard emotionally and they got to talk. I'm like, okay, let me How play this song this to get into apart? the mood of that. What a line. I mean, Man. I mean, wow. I mean, how many times have you thought about saying that to somebody you was in love with? How or, did you this know? happen? I thought how, how this do we love would last forever. We only been taught. I, I see a message. I see a DM from you, and I get anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fact. All right. What this bitch want? Number 17, Sour Times, Portishead, 1994. Let's talk about uh, this. I believe we have an alert. Decade Hopper alert. Uh, may see them a little bit later. Let's talk about Sour Times, the actual song. So Sour Times is a song by English Trip Hop Group, Portishead, the aforementioned, uh, from their debut album, Dummy, in 1994, <clears throat> written by all three members of the band, released by Go Beat Records in 1994. Do you know the exact date? I do. It's uh, one of the best dates of all time, August 1st, 1984. Wow. Yeah, that's right. Released on uh, my ninth birthday. It was a hell of a treat for you, man. They were thinking about you. Of course they were. I know Borda said. That's what I have to be doing. Hey, they called me up at nine. Yeah, no, it's your birthday. We're going to release this song. Uh, so, yeah, um, it uses a sample from the Argentine composer Lalo Schifrin's Danube incident. Is there anybody deeper in the crates than the motherfuckers in trip hop? No, no, no. <laughs> no, there is not. <laughs> Especially in Portishead, bro. Man, man. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. Uh, you know, this is going to make me so happy. Mission Impossible uh, was uh, an album that that this was from Danube Incident from the 1967 album, which they which they t uh, sampled from. The album's name is more Mission Impossible. So they took this song from 1967 with this super cool title of More Mission Impossible, uh, and they sped it up to like a point where you can barely even recognize what it is, you know? And I mean, I think this is what we're talking about when we talk about Portishead. It's not just the sample. They're taking the sample. And transforming they're putting, it. They're transforming it yeah. into something completely different, um, which, of course, I want to give a shout-out to hip-hop first because we know hip-hop started Absolutely. that. But yes. we see it progressing, moving in different directions. And like we said, I mean, Portishead, Massive Attack, those are your two. Those are your big two uh, trip-hop bands. Uh, well, let's talk about this song. Let's oh talk about Portishead. God, yes. Look, these lyrics are phenomenal, um, and which is so funny when it's like, yeah, we're going to start going upbeat. Do we share upbeat songs? Occasionally, but this is not one of them. Because one of these lyrics is, who am I? What and why? Because all I have left is my memories of yesterday. And I am just like, what a statement on the human condition that we are comprised or we are composed of memories. And it's always going to be memories focused on the past. And just, ah, I just love this song so much. Scattered seeds. Buried lives, mysteries of our disguise revolve, circumstances will divide because nobody loves me. It's true. Not like you do. Like, and, and when that is the greatest source of comfort and sadness, mm -hmm. you, you three steps away from, 
fucking party with the cure. You almost right. there, man. You like, what the right. fuck? Yeah, this is about to be, this is like our sad portion of the 90s. <laughs> Welcome to the sad portion. Man. Uh, just a quick little tidbit. Slant Magazine uh, placed it at number 77 in their rankings of the best 100 singles of 1990s. So, you know, they had theirs at 77. We have ours at, what is this, 17, 16? Where, where, wasn't this in another soundtrack? Wasn't this in um, the the witch movie? What was that? Shit. There's so many witch movies. The one that matters, man. Uh, bitch, I watch a lot of fucking witch movies. The one that matters the most, the craft. Okay. I think it was the one that matters the most, isn't it? Yeah. No. (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. (laughs) Anyway, I think it's in the craft. This shit is... What's up? I I don't have the craft here, but I do have a couple. I have it was used as uh, theme music to the uh, ITV drama series The Vice. Wow. Also appeared in the film Killing Time. Wow. TV shows Warehouse 13 and The People vs. O.J. Simpson, an American crime story. Damn. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, English, uh, you may know uh, Marsha Ambrosius, uh, English singer Marsha Ambrosius, covered the song in her 2011 album Late Nights and Early Mornings. So you got them all over the place. Yo, Beth Gibbons is the last of a dying breed because that's the kind of bitch that come on stage smoking a fucking cigarette. And don't give a fuck. Still belting this shit out. <laughs> you know He's what like, I'm saying? You know that damages your vocal cords, and she's like, so? Shit. Smoking makes my vocal cords better. That's how I feel. Anyway, don't 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 smoke, kids, unless you want to. Okay, uh, any any more thoughts on this one? Uh, again, Portishead is one of those groups that's not just in conversation for the greatest trip-hop group of all time. Often, you will find yourself in conversations with Portishead being literally one of the greatest groups in the world. So if you have never listened to Portishead, this is what you need. And, and, and this is really what we're talking about with these 90s. As we lead into our last song for the top half, so many of these groups that we're telling you are considered the greatest of all time. We got Pac in there. You know, we got Trent Reznor with motherfucking Nine Inch Nails. We got Robert Smith with the fucking Cure. Radiohead. Radiohead. Portishead. Mm-hmm. Doing Head that work. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Head everywhere. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's get to this last song unless you had any other thoughts. Mm-mm. No. Number 16. Blackberry Molasses, Mr. 1995. Uh, so Blackberry Molasses, a song performed by the contemporary R&B, R&B group, Mista is the opening track on their uh, debut album, serves as the album's first single. Uh, the song was the group's highest chart appearance on the Billboard Hot 100, peaking at 53. Uh, this song is also notable for being the favorite song of rapper Tupac. Uh, again, Gothic Noir. Gothic uh, Noir. Sadness. This is the sadness of black boy life. Let's talk of about black it. life in the West. Okay, you know but saying? it's hopeful too. Right? Yeah. No, and that's the whole thing. Gothic Noir is not just sadness. It's a it's the sadness that you get from living in the quote unquote greatest place on earth, but being fed off crumbs. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's the it's the reality of the crumb. Woke up, uh, woke up 
Where is it? Hold on, let me find a fucking. Well, I mean, while well, you're looking for that, I can tell you right now. Like one of the the lyrics that I like in this song, um, and the reason it's kind of like, hey, this is, it, it's don't tell me how to live my life after all that we've been through. Don't want to live out your hardships because I've been there myself a time or two. Still, life goes on if you just keep holding on. So many things to survive once you realize there's no such place as paradise, at least in my eyes. At least in my eyes. I don't know. I'm very Jewish, and so I'm like, we can't wait. For for that Christian heaven later. Like, we have the life that we have now. That one And life. we have to live it to the best of our ability for ourselves and each other. It maybe sums up the, the most gothic noir of all sentiments. You know what I'm saying? There's no perfection, at least not in my eyes. There's no, you know, but but here's what I was looking for. is uh, woke up Sunday morning, got a little bad news today. We don't even say what the bad news is, but he's straight into it. Like, they say, my life ain't worth living and time is slowly taken away. Don't think that I'm going crazy because thoughts be running through my head. I know I got to be strong, got to hold on, but sometimes I'd rather give up instead. Oh, ain't that a mood? Like, if you don't understand this shit, you cannot understand the the fucking black masculine fucking mind state. The black experience, period. (laughs) You know who produced this? Organized noise. Yeah, you might see a little more organized noise later. Um, But, uh, yeah, I totally agree with y'all, man. Just this idea of, like, um, you know, uh, like this nonprofit culture, polite shit all the time, you know what I'm saying? It's like people have a bad hair day and it's really bad for them, you know, but, like, People's lives are fucked up. Man, all the time. I got shot at. Like, you know what I'm saying? That shit is not the same. Like, yeah. Again, just uh, again, just to speak to the political aspects. You know what I'm saying? And like uh, how whiteness centers itself, and how capitalism centers itself, and people are out here talking about, hey, yo, shit is real out here. A little bad news today. I mean, what? It's a little bad. It's news. just a little bad news. I mean, damn. I mean, that's some real big bad news for uh, a lot of people. Um, man, y'all, that's the top half of the '90s. And that's just the top half. What the fuck you think the bottom 15 about to do? They're going to fuck you up. That's what. Yeah, so Public Pulse Vibes on Instagram. Hey, I didn't even say this yet, but Public Pulse on um, Public Pulse on Patreon. Patreon slash Public Pulse. Go in there. We got deals as little as $5. We got deals all day. Um, we have one-time um, contributions. They help us out. You know, we talking that good politics stuff. We giving you the good shit. Man. You know what I'm saying? Man. You motherfuckers are just a couple of weeks away from a treat because I know something y'all don't know. Uh, yeah, I just put this out here just to go ahead and promo uh, uh, myself and Lil Tanky working on music right now. So you may see some music pop up on uh, Public Balls Vibes. Or you may see it pop up on here. Um, you know, go out and check my album, Troublesome, right now. I mean, TMK, uh, everywhere they have music. Um, and uh, again, we'll, we'll make sure to uh, keep you posted on uh, our music and what we've been creating in this awesome studio, Matrix Studios, brand new studio. I say that every time, uh, even though... Uh, it's not that brand new anymore, but it still looks clean and shiny. We're doing nice. the most we can. That's a fact. Um, any, any more thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, Lil Tanky that could on Instagram as well. Go give my broski a follow. Kita the muscle. Uh, don't follow them anywhere because they might hit you with a motherfucking right hook and in the fucking elbow. The put you in a calf slicer. I mean, you can follow me, but you're not gonna see shit, and I probably won't follow you back. Right, okay. Like, let me just be real about that. Yeah, honesty, <laughs> honesty. I love it. Um, yeah. Well, I mean TMK, uh, drink some water, stay hydrated in this bitch, and we out. We cross. And I am just like, what?